Hey everybody, I'm Tim Whitaker, along with Rob McMichael and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived and how we can better represent his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little more about us, let's get into this week's episode. What's up, friends? Welcome to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. This is our last episode for the year, which can be a good thing for some people considering how bad this year's been for so many of us. But we wanted to have a little bit more fun on this one. So it's me, Robin Jordan. There's no guests this week. Just talking about this year, what we learned, and what we want to do going forward. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We talk about race relations, about the election, about the pandemic, and kind of just recap 2020. And let me tell you, what a year it was. That being said, don't forget to like this episode and also to rate it on iTunes. That would be such a huge help for us. And we are on Instagram at CTJ Podcast. So talk to you guys soon and have a great new year. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus Podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined for the first (laughs) time in a long time with both of my co-hosts, Rob and Jordan. Man, the three musketeers have returned, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Uh, We're back. Stooges. The three <laughs> No, no, no. No, no, no. No, I'm French. If I'm here, it's the three, it's the three musketeers. <laughs> um, it wants to be D'Artagnan. <laughs> Jordan, I know that you said before we started recording that some of your uh, friends, I guess, or listeners missed our banter. So here it is, our banter. Yeah. <laughs> all, all my fans have been telling me that they, uh, <laughs> they miss our banter. Jordan's just, Jordan's just getting DM after DM. You guys, you guys don't have your own personal fan clubs? <laughs> Jordan, Jordan, we miss you. <laughs> Jordan has the, what is that, that website, the OnlyFans? No, he only does fans. not have an OnlyFans. No, thank fans. you. <laughs> oh, is that not that? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Rob doesn't know I what am, that is. I am not <laughs> editing this out at all. But Rob, do not Google OnlyFans. Do not. Oh. Wow, hey, I thought it was something totally different. Then. You're thinking of Patreon, a Patreon account. Um, maybe. Speaking of which, I really I saw maybe in my opinion the best meme of 2020, where <laughs> the meme was what homeschoolers think of when they hear OnlyFans, and it's a picture of only actual fans. That are mounted to the ceiling. <laughs> so, Rob, great job on that. That's you. Yeah, that's Rob. <laughs> Man, now I'm curious as to what it is. No, I'm that's not too, googling Rob. it though. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it this way: it's a place where people who are known for taking off their clothing will give you exclusive access access to that for a fee per month. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have yeah. to put an explicit rating on this podcast now. <laughs> anyway, welcome Good to the man. show, everyone. On that note, um, happy 2020. This is our year end review episode, which really is our first one ever. So, welcome. And it might be our last one. Who knows? We have had so many attempted quote unquote series that go like one or two episodes and then totally <laughs> fall apart. So, at this point, we promise you absolutely nothing. But for this episode, we wanted to have a little bit of some 
chitter chatter and talk about the past year and send us off on a high note before we leave you guys for 2020 because 2021 is coming around the mountain and we are excited for it. But before we get there, it's time to debrief and really detox from 2020 because 2020 was a terrible year besides the birth of my son and the birth of Rob's child. That's a good, that's a good way to put that. Yes. With that. Nice caveat. Yes, yes. <laughs> but if my wife listens to this or my son in 10 years, just so I love you, son, um, and that you were a good thing about 2020. But everything else was terrible. It was absolute <laughs> He's trash. He's going to be watching holograms on his, on his eye something, <laughs> eye skateboard. <laughs> That's exactly right, Jordan, on his eye skateboard. Yep. Yes. Brand new technology, never invented. Yeah, we're, we're old. <laughs> So I, I, yeah, we, we are old. Don't get me started about being old. It's true. We're old, except for, I'm sorry, tangent, but Rob, in our yes. group chat today, you messaged us saying we need to start a TikTok account for the podcast. What is wrong with you? Also doesn't what? know what TikTok is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? do you want to run it, Rob? Do you want to be on video 30 seconds at a time or a minute at a time? You, you know? do dances? Oh. Can you do dances? Can I? I have people sign up for my other website there. Is that how that works? <laughs> you know, it's yes. funny. I tried to um I tried to make a TikTok maybe earlier this year, like when it first kind of was taking picking up steam. Maybe maybe it was last year. And I made an account and in the first five minutes, all I had was thirteen year old girls and boys dancing. And I'm like, no, this this place is not for me. I am off. And I have never signed back on again. I'm like, absolutely nope. not. This is not a place for old men to be on. So I'm off that for sure. I will stick to Instagram, the only true social media account. Oh man. Anyway, um, I figured what we could do is I'm gonna read off my version of the 2020 year in review um just a heads up it's real negative i mean <laughs> this is what i got and robin jordan yeah. <laughs> you know keep track here if i miss something let me know so i just try, feeling, we'll try and add some some positive things in there yeah if you're feeling sad just skip the next 30 seconds well yep you know, <laughs> we always say on this podcast we're after the truth and this is a cold hard truth as my boy ben shapiro have we says, ever said that well we have now <laughs> cool as my boy Ben Shapiro says, the facts don't care about your feelings. So I don't care if you're weeping over this. These are cold, hard facts. So eat them. All right, here we go. The problem is when you're choosing certain facts, Tim. These are the only facts. These are the only facts. Thank only facts. Also a website <laughs> that Rob doesn't know what it is. Rob, you should start that. Onlyfacts.com. You pay per oh, month to hear only your set of facts. It's great. I think that's Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. But free. Sorry. Go ahead. All right, here we go. So I, this is in no, it's not like the clearest order, but it's definitely in a big picture order. So we have the, um, of course, coronavirus hit, you know, around February. But for me, things got real bad when the Ahmad Arbery shooting happened. That was the beginning of really sparking a big race relation uh, crisis in America. Then we had the George Floyd video. Then Breonna Taylor. That spawned the social justice resurgence, and there were widespread protests all over the nation and the world. In fact, I think the George Floyd protest was the single largest protest ever in human history for how many people participated in it worldwide. 
The good news about that is that it did lead to the evangelical church having to be forced or uh, being forced to have uh, a conversation around racism in the church, which I think is a very good thing. And it also changed me greatly, um, as you guys know. Then we had the coronavirus, which led to conspiracy theories. Then the movie Plandemic on YouTube came out that all of my Ooh. Christian friends shared. and We did a whole episode on um, because supporting it, was, it. Yes, of course, supporting it, supporting a YouTube <laughs> documentary as fact. Then the conspiracy that the government was faking death tolls came out. Then the CDC was under fire. Then we found out that masks actually don't work um, and that they're just, they're just the devil's tool to mask the church. That's a real phrase I've heard. And then we heard that the virus wasn't that deadly. Then there's all these wars about people saying it is and it isn't. And that led to church lockdowns, which was really widespread social lockdowns. But then the church decided to protest. And then John MacArthur came out and told people to obey God rather than man. And that's what, I, that's what I call the American church persecution complex came into full view about people protesting, not being able to worship in their way, a.k.a. huge, massive gatherings, therefore persecution. Then we had an election this year, and that went down the pooper real quick. And all these you know, allegations of voter fraud, which started almost from the, the second the first ballot was counted. Um, and that led into deep conspiracies and recounts, and that led to Trump and his team filing lawsuits that all got dismissed. And at this time of the recording, all the states have certified their, their um, electorate, um, electorates, but people are still saying it was fraudulent, which gave rise to Christian nationalism, which is really, or I should say, we really saw that happening at the Jericho March that happened a couple of weeks ago with Eric Metaxas. Metaxas? Yeah, Eric Metaxas um, essentially having a, um, an ode to... Um, you know, President Trump, a.k.a. Jesus incarnate, which led to people coming on stage and claiming that if Trump wasn't reelected or that if Trump didn't overturn the election, there would be war in the streets and there would be chaos in the streets. And that led to, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, from there, here we are. Hmm. You, you did miss the first thing that started off the year in a negative vibe was remember the wildfires in California? Yes, and Australia too, right? Was that this year? Yeah. Oh. And wasn't the threat of World War Three also back in yes. January? Whatever that one was. <laughs> yes, with uh, who was that with? Oh, was that only oh, a I don't year ago? That. It was, that was it was pre-coronavirus, so yeah. pretty much doesn't exist. I did put in the honorable mentions section uh, that we lost some really <laughs> amazing people. We lost Kobe Bryant this the year. We lost, yeah, yeah, yeah. We lost Chadwick sure. Boseman this year. A lot of and also, sorry, I should be clear. A lot of people lost loved ones this year due to a right. pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we know people that are very close to us who lost uncles and lost friends and family. Uh, so that's also, I feel like everyone went through a lot of loss this year all around. I mean, for me, yes, the birth of my son was amazing, but even I had a lot of people around me who suffered a ton. So it was just a very, just a very bleak, negative year, frankly. I mean, it really was, at least for me, overall. The only silver lining I have is that it, it really helped me reflect on what's most important in my life. And I did change a lot of my priorities around what I deemed important. So mm-hmm. that was a good thing, but it was at the expense of a lot of death, a lot of frustration, um, a lot of, you know, weird Christian theology and just Christianism that came out of the woodwork. <laughs> so that's my year in review, boys. Yeah. Makes me wonder how many of those things were like not specifically caused by stuff that happened this year, but was just like lying under the surface 
and been exposed by things that happened this year. I'm thinking mostly of like the church stuff or the Christian nationalism stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I feel like that, that doesn't just come out of nowhere. Like no. that's gotta be to a certain extent, you know, people that already feel that way. I don't know. It's definitely, I, you know, um, so you guys know this, I launched a new, a new Instagram account, the new evangelicals. And I did a mm-hmm. video on, on the Jericho rally because the the gift of that rally that happened now again as of this recording about three weeks ago was that it was so blatantly <laughs> idolatrous that you it wasn't you the, people really couldn't argue with it i mean even the gospel coalition had a piece on like how just abhorrent this rally was yeah so i'm kind of grateful for that because it was so bluntly you know that but like you said jordan this stuff has been has been stewing for a long time my view of this is I think we're just reaping the um, fruit of sowing an allegiance to a political party in the 80s that we have really merged Christian and conservative with. And now we're kind of reaping that. You know, this is what happens when you're not allowed to think critically about politics in general through a biblical lens in general. Instead, you're only taught that liberal bad, Christian, you know, conservative good. And then here we are. Now that that Trump lost and he's claiming fraud, you have to kind of support him at all costs because you can't at all support a liberal because you won't be a good Christian if you do that. Um, so I, I agree with you on that 100%. Yeah. And Robert? You, and you can't support no one either. Like I, I've had a lot of flack for supporting neither. It's like, well, it's your Christian duty. It's like, it's yeah. not my Christian duty whatsoever. Right, right. You may feel that way, then that's totally fine. I don't. I'm not going to call you a heretic for not for voting for whoever, but leave me alone. That is, that is the, the, for me, the politics subject is the biggest web to untangle in our culture right now, because people have done a really good job of spinning a web that is, is so it's very entrapping. I mean, it's hard to break free of that mentality when you've been kind of wired. I hate to say brainwashed, but in some ways a little bit, brainwashed to believe that liberals are only bad and conservatives are only good. And, and that's a biblical yeah. battle. I mean, we, I, you know, I've shared sermons with you guys of pastors on, in, um, on, in, on the pulpit in front of thousands of people saying you cannot vote for a Democrat and be a Christian. You can only vote conservative because conservatives have biblical values and Democrats do not. Uh, and that's just such a broad <laughs> sweeping statement that really is code for a select few issues and not holistic at all. And I think we're seeing a lot of people now who have grown up in, in, the, in that evangelical bubble realizing that it's a little more nuanced than that. And they're pretty bitter over it, frankly. And I, I can't blame them in a lot of ways for it. I really can't. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who kind of fall into the middle. Um, and I find myself there, I think, where I can critically look at both sides of that and I can see that there's so much gray area and so much overlap yeah. in what I think are my Christian values and how that overlaps with certain things in both political parties and is contrary to things in both political parties. Um, and then still find myself leaning more conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, on a lot of things and would probably vote that way. And I think what's interesting is through the past up until you know 2016 um that was pretty easy to like always fall on that side and never seem extreme 
for for the people who were more extreme i guess about it um who were on that kind of far christian nationalism side of things um you know because you're if you're voting for george w bush or ronald reagan it's not gonna you don't seem like you're some crazy right-wing nut job yeah but now with trump and how he's kind of pushed everything to the extreme in a lot of ways it's kind of like i said like exposed a lot of that stuff that was under the surface and didn't really come out but Hmm. for me it's like i i see the extremism of it and it's disheartening for sure but i also see like a ton of people who um like i said fall kind of in that middle and who i think have been this year affected a lot more by some of the positive things you mentioned like the way that um, the racial conversations in our country have um, changed the way that the church is thinking about race and how that's been a really positive thing um, in the church. I think so many people fall into that category too. Yeah. Um, I, my hope for the, for the church in the political realm is just that there is room for people on uh, the other side of that debate to be heard and at least to be respected, right? Like, I'm, I don't think it's right to say, well, if you lean conservative, you're not a good Christian, but I think the opposite is also very true. And, and, and there's a stigma. I mean, the word liberal is a slur and I've been called it many times by people using it as a slur. Oh, well, you're just, you know, this is your liberal bias. You're, you're liberal. You know, you sound like a liberal. It's like, when did that become a slur and conservative became like uh, a good thing? So I'm right. hoping that 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 like we can have real conversations about, for example, the wealth gap in our country, and we can have a real conversation about it from a biblical worldview, not a capitalist or Marxist one, but from a biblical worldview, and we can have a real conversation. Even if we don't agree on the right solutions, we can agree that there's a problem that we have to address, right? So I'm hoping that we get more and more down that road because it just seems like right now, and I think... I, I hope, I, I, I don't want to say I think, but I hope there's, start, there's a shift um, in that Trump has kind of woken up like maybe the meat of the Christian culture of like, okay, like where we're being pushed is not a good place to be right now because we're, you know, Trump is, I mean, he's denying reality blatantly about this election thing and people yeah. and many, not all, but many Christians are buying it. And that should give us pause to, for concern because reality doesn't always go in our favor. That's okay. But when you keep lying about reality, that's a problem. So I'm, I'm with <laughs> I, you on that, Jordan. I think um, one thing to to touch on what you what you just said at the end there, like your hope that people are waking up and and doing more digging for themselves. I I think I've seen that to be tr- true, um, at least in like you know here we're only a couple minutes in, but I'll mention the Bible Project specifically because. <laughs> nice. Facebook, there's the, the Tim Mackey group on Facebook. I know you're part of it, Tim, the, mm-hmm. the, the Tim Mackey discussion group. I don't know if you if you joined that, Jordan, but the, nope. beginning of the, year, there weren't, <laughs> the beginning of the year, there weren't like a ton of members on that group, but throughout the year, like it has grown exponentially. And I think it is from people doing their own digging and trying to be like, how can my christian worldview fit into a modern world kind of scenario 
And I think that touches on some of the guests that we've had on the podcast and the things that we've talked about um, is that there is a hunger for people that don't want to give up on God, but can't fit into the right-wing conservative Christianity of the American past almost. And they're like, well, where do I fit now? And I think there are a lot of people that are kind of searching to where can I fit? It's like this exile group. I mean, it's, it's it's a lot of people who have deconstructed, right? Which is the buzzword now, but and a lot of people who de- who have deconstructed have like they're just they're out right like they they made a decision not for them they're out of the faith but a lot of people who have deconstructed are now trying to reconstruct into something like that's hopefully more biblical and i don't mean that in the western protestant sense of oh a more literal fundamentalist reading i mean a more accurate understanding of what the Bible is trying to tell us, <laughs> you know, in it's like, like what John Walton says, you know, um, in, it, it wasn't written to us, but it's written for us. You know, the yep. idea of um, it's not written in our language or culture and that's okay, but we have to do some digging there. So I'm with you on that. I think that there are people who are fascinated by like this Christian faith and are realizing that maybe the very narrow um, fundamentalist influenced evangelical culture they've been brought up in um isn't really an accurate or or a big enough picture to contain you know the christian faith so there's like well what else is here then like if if there's a christianity outside of evangelicalism then what 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 could it be because i have no context for what that could possibly be besides what i've been taught so i think that it has led people to you know listen to guys like the bible project or just read more books or have more discussions or at least be willing to admit yeah, like I need better answers because these answers are just not sufficient for for the reality that I'm living in, frankly. It's almost like we need a new evangelicalism. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Speaking of what's Jordan. <laughs> but honestly, that is why, listen, I'm not trying to say that I'm reinventing the evangelical faith here. This isn't the point. But the reason why I started that Instagram account is because it seems like, especially on Instagram, there are a lot of accounts that are super satirical and are really good at like pointing out all the problems of why Christianity is terrible. And I can relate and understand a lot of the problems that they're pointing out. I'm like, yes, these are problems, but it doesn't seem like there's a group that's trying to live in the tension of what well, we're still committed Jesus people, but we're also trying to understand like that some of the stuff in this Christian culture isn't healthy. So that's why I started the account because I feel like people need a place where they can say, Yes, I have been hurt, but also like I want to go deeper. I don't want to come out, you know, of like the Jesus thing. So uh, I definitely get that for sure. I was thinking there for a second was that scene from The Office when Ryan's talking about his website and he's like, <laughs> I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. In other words, it is what it is. Buying paper just got fun. <laughs> I'm like, that should be a meme, but Tim talking about <laughs> his yeah. new account. Do it. I'm in. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. That's good. I, I wonder if we're kind of reaping the benefits of our society that has always told us, you know, at work, you don't discuss religion, you don't discuss race, you don't dis- discuss politics. And so we're now experiencing generations that grew up never being allowed to freely and openly discuss those things. Like discussion, we view as almost bad. Like, well, you you can't you can't talk with them because they're 
they disagree with you on that. So right. don't even bring it up because right. we, we've never learned how to dialogue. That's right. And now we, we're coming, like, especially our generation is like, yeah, but no, we want to talk about those things. And we're kind of the first generation to really wrestle with, I want to discuss my feelings or I want to discuss my hurt or I want to discuss issues that I have. Right. Um, you look at our parents' generations and it was very, I'm, this is what I have to be and I'm just going to fix my mind and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And our generation is kind of getting away from that, but we want to get to the, yeah, but why can't we discuss these things? Yeah. That could be because part of it could be because we're so connected as this generation. We're the first like real internet generation. Right. And I think what we're finding is that the world is bigger than us. Like there's other ways to view the world, not only in the Christian faith, but outside of it. And these people seem to live, to live very whole full like happy lives but i've always been told that if you don't have jesus your life is gonna be miserable but then i'm meeting people who don't have that and are are happy it's like wait something isn't i'm just curious now you know like tell me more i don't understand and i agree with you because yeah i i just i'm, I'm with you on that the world is big it's nuanced and god is working in all of it somehow and that's kind of the mystery but i believe I'm, I'm with you rob like I don't think that my parents or people before them were bad people or trying to intentionally mislead no. me or anything like that. Of yeah, course not. Sure. But I think that, that, like you said, because they weren't willing to acknowledge that, yes, there are other ways to view the world, um, it has kind of made me feel a little bit like, I wish I was told this when I was younger because for so long I just lived in this like really narrow bubble, this really small bubble that, oh, this is the only way to view the world. Like, and whoever, whoever isn't, their lives aren't fulfilled or happy or good uh, or even real. You know, they're just living a lie. <laughs> and then you meet people who aren't doing that. Like they've thought through some of this stuff. It's like, huh, I've never been exposed to that before. So I'm with you on that for sure. Is that it? Are we done? <laughs> yep. All right. Have a good night. <laughs> I mean, is, is, that, is that the end of that conversation? It's the end of the year. <laughs> All right. Well, we can keep moving on because there's plenty more to talk about. But um, I mean, honestly, the, the point of this episode is not to be too long winded here. But I think the other big conversation that we're going to talk about is the racial uh, discussion that, that I think also ties in Jordan to what you said, where it was things that were underneath the surface that were simmering and really boiling for so long. And um, it's um, I wish I had stronger language, but it, it's it's really a travesty that at the cost of of lives of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Bernard Taylor and many more. That was the catalyst for people. So many people saying, Whoa, something is way wrong. I mean, I've heard about it, but I always been kind of colorblind. I thought that was okay. But this video is so directly, you know, it's so directly vile that that change has to happen. So I think that is a good thing because that conversation, especially in the white church, white evangelical church has needed to happen for a long time. And I think it is happening more and more. Um, and people are really open to, for the first time, I think in a long time to listening to their black brothers and sisters who have been screaming this for decades that, Hey, something is wrong. Like, you know, we're not treated the same way. And uh, it's been really powerful to have them, have this conversation and us having really to repent and to change. Um, but that's been, it's been painful, but I think it's been very necessary. Yeah, I, I know I, from some people I've talked to, it's almost just been a relief 
to hear, let's call our podcast what it is, three white guys acknowledge that we have been an issue. Yeah. Um, and even in just complacency, in just, well, it's not that bad, or, you know, you guys are just, it's not, it's, yeah, like, you're not enslaved anymore. Right. Like, it's not as bad as you you believe that it is. Right. But just acknowledging, hey, we hear you, and I, I want to learn more. Tell me about that. Or just doing our own reading and reading various books or authors and and just becoming acquainted with the problems of an oppressed group, which is something that has been a topic for us this year too, is mm. identifying with the oppressor and um, sitting and just being with them and trying to help them in any way that we can as a group that has a little more power or authority or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, I think what is interesting that I'm noticing is there is a sect of Christianity that is very resistant to a lot of these ideas. They live in the more reformed camps and they're, the language is, you know, um, we need biblical justice, not social justice or, um, um, things like that kind of wording, or, you know, this is, this is a false gospel. This is taking away from the gospel. I think what I've learned this year though, is that, um, and I've heard their arguments. I've listened to a lot of their podcasts and their teachings. It's the more I come to understand the Bible and the story of the Bible, the more that view doesn't make any sense because not only have we discovered through guys like Randy Richards, that the Bible is a very corporate and collectivist book and that God's speaking and working through people groups, but that God is consistently looking out for those who are oppressed and is consistently humbling people who create oppression and that there's nothing wrong or unbiblical to, to bring that into our modern world and say, okay, is this happening in our culture? If it is, we should be on the side of pushing for making things better, not keeping things the same. So that's been interesting to see that. Um, and I, I think ties in a little bit to Christian nationalism, but it's been interesting to see um, some people in that sect kind of be very resistant to any kind of conversation that addresses a more social gospel because it's been kind of hardwired in their mind that social gospel is liberal, liberal is Marxist, Marxist is atheist, therefore we can't have the discussion, uh, which I think you know kind of gets us in trouble because it, it takes away from the story of the Bible that we see all throughout the scriptures, um, especially in the prophets. I think there is, I think, a fear, and I find myself in this um, category or camp too, a little bit of just kind of a, a worry maybe more than a fear that when you you talk about social gospel or social justice that it could become something that doesn't it's not that it takes away from the gospel. I think those things are so important to have alongside of each other. Um, you know, the, the physical needs and the, the spiritual needs of people are so hand in hand. Um, but I guess my thinking is just that like, I wouldn't want for myself, I guess I wouldn't want to ever lose sight of the spiritual needs and poverty because I'm focusing too much on like the physical needs. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
It makes sense. Um, it makes sense, the concern. But I just think, not not you, but I think that line of reasoning has been taught to us to really just be complacent in how we address social change. I, that's, I, I really believe that, for real. Because there are people who are... I noticed this, there's, there's always a connection. You have a guy like, I don't know, let's just take someone, Jeff Durbin, or he's easy, Apology or Radio. He is ultra-reformed uh, Calvinist, you know, thinks the quote-unquote woke gospel, whatever that even is, is heretical, but also is super conservative politically. <laughs> and so like, there's always a connection there. Like, I'm noticing there's always a pattern of like, yes, I'm, I'm theologically conservative, but I'm also, theolog- I'm also politically conservative. And I'm realizing that like, it seems that it comes down to this idea of almost beliefism, like this like Billy Graham idea of the belief has to be correct. Like you have to believe the right things more than you practice the right things. And like you said, Jordan, I think that they're really hand in hand. And what has happened is that we've, we've hyper-focused on the belief part, just believe the right things to believe. Um, and, and we would neglect it, I think, some more of the, um, the physical part. And now that the pendulum is maybe swinging maybe more to center, potentially to the other extreme, but right now it's swinging more to the center, it's uncomfortable because it's not, it's not what I've been taught. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not a focus I've, been, I've grown up with. That being said, obviously there are millions of Christians with nonprofits and stuff doing good work. I'm not saying that that no Christian is doing this, but it's certainly not a focus in in our churches as far as even the idea of salvation. Um, it's still a very hyper individualized thing, um, and the idea of it being at all a corporate thing is like, whoa, whoa, Tim, like this is like really scary territory. Even though we see it in Scripture time and time again, you know, be it with God and, and the Israelites or even in the, in the church, Paul's writing to a group of people. So just some food for thought I've been thinking about, you know, they're not really worked out thoughts yet, but I'm still thinking through them. What do you mean when you say salvation uh, as a corporate thing? Well, I think about like, it's the idea that God deals with people in groups consistently, you know, and he has representatives who go, go to that group. He uses Moses to go to the Israelites. It's a group of people. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that there's a very collective aspect of even the idea of, I'm listening to Tim Mackey's thing now on, uh, the people of God, this idea of even how the nations are broken up, God deals with nations, you know, a lot of times. So what I'm saying is that's a collective group of people. So I'm saying there's definitely a connection between God working through the individual for sure, but, but also very much through groups of people. He uses like, the Israelites to bless the nations, for example. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would, in a way, I totally agree with that. Obviously, salvation is a very individual thing. Like, if we're not saved as a group of people, um, and you see Jesus throughout his ministry going and reaching very specific individual people, you think about his apostles. Yeah, he reached each one of them where they were at. Uh, I think the chosen did. I don't know if you guys have watched that series yet. I see a lot of ads for it. Tremendous job. Well, now you'll even see more because your phone just heard me say chosen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they did a tremendous job of, of painting that picture of how Jesus called all of his disciples. You know, Matthew, the tax collector, is like a main theme throughout the whole scripture. And it just gives a story behind it and more humanizes the story. But then it then flips it over as well to say, Jesus is going to work through this collective group. 
And he's going to get his mission through this group of people as well, made up of individuals. He reached the individuals, but not just to keep them, hey, I want you to be an individual and do my work. But I, I personally believe that all things that God wants us to do are to be done through the local church. And that is then God dealing with a collective group of people to then work out his will and, and his purposes in your community and in in that setting i don't think any christian should be an individual island exactly that's what i'm trying to say that makes more sense yeah i mean that's the reality is that we treat in our western hyper individualist culture that oh I, i'm separate from the church but in yeah really biblically like that's not really a thing i mean i hate to say it but it's true you know like we just you know, you're part of, of a bigger picture you're part of the group um, and we, we listen. We do this with anything. I mean, we 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 personify things that are not people, like corporations. You know, oh, look at what Apple did. We speak of it like a person or groups of people, Republicans, Democrats, etc. So, but anyway, point is, is you know, th those are just some thoughts I've been thinking about, you know, more recently. So, mm -hmm. um, anyway, I mean, listen, I don't want to go on forever, but those are some of the big things I was thinking about. I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to add to the the review of 2020 um i think it gave just speaking personally um you know i know you alluded to the fact that it gave you like new perspectives and you kind of changed your mind on a lot of things i i think one thing it did for at least julia and i is it forced us to slow down and reconsider and actually think about things what is so important that we were putting all of our time into X, Y, or Z? And is that where we want to be spending our time? So we did get the chance and the opportunity to kind of refocus a lot and use this time. I think, you know, my wife and I's relationship grew a whole ton over this year. So that was something I got positive out of it because we were spending so much time together and, you know, you kind of work through a lot of things mm. because you do have so much time. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think amongst everything it's in the, in the same way that a lot of these like difficult situations strip away the stuff and expose what's underneath the surface in large groups of people. Um, I think in individuals and in, you know, relationships and marriages it can also do that in a good way mm -hmm. um, to kind of help, exposed you know whether it was just things that you never talked about before <laughs> because they never <laughs> came up um you know like talking about <laughs> death and you know things right. like that and yeah you know in a in a marriage as you know a 20 something early 30 something that's not really something you consider um with your spouse a whole lot but it's yep. certainly a good thing to um talk about and just even what that means for us as believers um and how you know how we can like face that mm -hmm. <laughs> um with hope and confidence and um yeah stuff like that that's just been you know in amongst all of the the negativity it's been um still producing i think a lot of positive results that I've seen in my personal life um, and, you know, out there too. And maybe it's not as much stuff that's in the news or stuff that's real loud. <laughs> um, 
but I think it's happening, which is encouraging. Mm -hmm. Do you want to ask your question, Rob, that you've been dying to ask? Oh, I've just been dying. Well, you're a very charismatic, you know, extrovert, so. I am, uh, so, and people know me for that. Yeah, I, I certainly do. <laughs> um, so I wanted to, as we are talking about this episode and kind of just brainstorming, one thing that I've always tried to do, think about at the end of the year is kind of recap Okay, so my purpose as a Christian is really to be conformed to the image of Christ and to better reflect him. And, you know, somebody at our local church gave um, a short message on Sunday just about um, Jesus being the light of the world and we are to reflect him and encouraging us in that way to, am I being a good reflection? Can I be a better reflection especially in the world that we live in now um, people need hope and need something positive and we could be that for those people so I, I just like to reflect on a year and say where are some areas that I improved but then where are some areas where maybe I thought I was I, I determined to improve and didn't or maybe went the other way and kind of went backwards on some things so I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about the year, um, where you wanted to go, where you did go, where you didn't. I wanted to be famous and said <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here uh, podcasting in my, in my living room. Thought like I'd be in a studio at this point. That's just the cry of the American youth right there. Uh, woe is to me. be famous, but I'm not. <laughs> See, I, maybe I should start a TikTok. I'm hip. Yeah. I'm cool. <laughs> oh, man. Go ahead, Jordan. I don't know. I think it's been a year of kind of not knowing where things are going. <laughs> um, so I think for me, you know, once stuff, you know, started to get crazy back in March, it was just kind of like, oh, well, we'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think at that point, it kind of stopped. I stopped having a lot of expectations for things that were going to happen or things I was going to do. Um, there's some like practical things, I guess, that I feel like um, it's like looking back at the three months that we had in quarantine where we just had tons and tons of time. And now it's kind of like, oh, I wish I had maybe <laughs> been a little more focused or productive with that time, yeah. that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's more like practical stuff with that. Um, but I've also had like positive practical things um, with work that have been really good. And um, so, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Rob? <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> All I have to say. Here's the banter you missed out on, ladies and gentlemen, right here. We had that at the beginning. I My made bad. so many good jokes. You're right. <laughs> you gotta, There's you gotta, another one. You got to serve your fans, your only yeah. fans. <laughs> Wait, Sorry. we only have four fans. <laughs> yeah, our only fans. <laughs> Not oh funny, Tim. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Rob. Oh, man. Rob so, asked a serious question. You're right. <laughs> totally derailed it. 
I, so I gave a, a message at church in April. So it was like right at the height of the pandemic when everything had kind of shut down. And, you know, for the record, we were doing drive-in church. So everybody stayed in their cars. We weren't uh, defying local ordinances. Um, <clears throat> but what I had, the, the question that I had kind of posed to myself and was trying to get across was, um, will we ever be the same? And the main thrux of it was, no, and we shouldn't be because we should be better. And as I reflect on what I encouraged others and was trying to encourage myself is, um, did I do good at taking the time that I had to be better? And in some areas I did. Um, I kind of already mentioned, I think Julie and I have talked more about like the serious things of life and, and our relationship and growing together. And because Tim, as I'm sure you're finding out, parenthood takes a lot of time. <laughs> yes. And that takes time away from you as a couple. And you know, Julie and I's thing has always been... AKA no sex. <laughs> well, that's a shame for you. <laughs> Pray for um, me. What? That's why sleep, sleep training. <laughs> greatest gift. Uh -huh. um, but... Wow, I totally derailed that. Sorry. Now. <laughs> <laughs> another joke on sale. Um, <laughs> you were talking about your sermon, Rob. Yeah, but then I said after that. I uh, know, and that, that just derailed the no, whole you were podcast. Talking about, you were talking about, you said, the last thing you said was, Tim, you know, but having children, it takes a lot of time. Time away from your yeah, spouse. Right, and Julie and I's thing has always been... Um, we, our marriage should always come first before our kids, because mm -hmm. in 20 years, our kids are most likely going to be going off to college or leaving the house or whatever they're doing. Right. And then it's going to be Julie and I. And I, we don't want to get to that stage and be like, wow, 25 years later, who are you kind of thing. Right. Um, and we've been able to use this time to kind of refocus and, maybe get some parenting techniques that we had acquired that we were like, you know what? I don't think this is the healthiest thing to be doing. Um, maybe we can change this. So there were some areas where we were convicted. And so we changed or um, I think one thing for me, if I'm to be perfectly honest mm. is I haven't been as good of a spiritual leader in my home as I wanted to be. Um, and this whole year has kind of just woken me up to the fact that, yeah, if we're not putting in the time and the effort now, we're not going to get the results that we desire. So it's a lot of discussions on how can we change that? I want to be doing these things better and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So there's definitely been a lot of reflection, growth, and I don't know, I guess prayerful regret um but it's all steps in the right direction i feel like hmm. all right i'll button this bad boy up so i actually have been sitting on an analogy for a while that i'm going to drop in this conversation to kind of end our our show tonight but yeah i mean i think that there are things that sarah and i have done really well 
um, as far as like we've changed some lifestyle um, habits that have, I think are more kingdom focused, uh, which has been great. Um, I've been getting meat from a friend who's a hunter, for example, and I've been trying to get myself more and more off of the food industrial complex I think is polluting and treating animals terribly, uh, which I don't think is biblical or a good steward of what God's given us. And Sarah is making her own bread and that's been really cool. And we've also tried to live a little more simply and not be in the consumeristic cycle of having more, more, more or buying mm -hmm. things to make us feel better. So that's yeah. been really good. And I've been working on trying to actually read, not just, not just listen to audio books, but actually sit down and read um, and be able to be more present, which has been all good things. I think though, for me, the biggest shift this year I really had to, I've, I've, I always get torn when it comes to the Christian faith because there are just so many sides to it. You know, there's like, I feel like, you know, we interview these guests, we interview Chris Hall and he has a perspective and you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Then you have Randy Richards come on and he blows your mind with like how we read the Bible. And then David Gushy comes on and here, you know, you think about, huh, LGBTQ issues. I never thought about it like that. That's interesting. And he's still a Christian, you know, all this stuff. And we have guests coming out, you know, next year who I've already interviewed who, kind of have like their focus on the Christian faith. And that can kind of be overwhelming because it's like, well, where do you go? So right. here's where my analogy comes in, all right? And I think it's a good one, guys. I think it's a good one. So I've, I've, I have to set the stage for our audience. So many of you know I'm a musician. And if you're not a musician, I want to explain to you how, how, how you record and make a song, okay? And here's how it works. You usually go into a room and there are microphones and inputs and if you're a guitarist, you play the song and they record it into what's called a DAW, which stands for Digital Audio Workstation. And it records your guitar playing and it records a track. And that track is just that one guitar. And then you record your other guitar and that's another track. Then you record your vocal and that's another track. Then you record your drums and each drum, so the snare, the tom, the floor tom, the bass drum, they're all individual tracks. And when you're done recording a song, you probably have, if, if, it's, if it's professional, you probably have between 40 to 60 separate tracks that are all laid out in a grid. And when you play them, that plays the song. If you mute a track, you don't hear that part of the song being played. And I'm realizing more and more that the Christian faith is like a really complicated song with all different layers to it, okay? And I think the best way I can sum up my journey is, is in this format, because for a while, I only ever heard the bass track my entire life, right? I just heard this like track and it made sense. I heard rhythm, I heard melody, it sounded cool, but I had, there were, you know, there were spaces and there were things that didn't make sense. And then over time, people have kind of unmuted these tracks. So now this vocal track comes into light. I'm like, whoa, I never heard this vocal line on top of the bass line. That's really fascinating. And then someone unmutes another track and there's a drum and there's a guitar. And I'm, more and more, the more I, I study and think about the Christian faith, the more these tracks are unmuted, okay? And so like this song is starting to develop that, oh, there's so much more happening and it all is synced up and it's all in time and it paints this really beautiful picture. And now where I'm at is I'm realizing that you have to be able to mix the song. So when you, when you have your tracks recorded in the studio, that's only, that's really the easy part. The hard part about making a song sound good is how you mix a song, which means how do you control the levels? How loud's your guitar? How loud's your vocal track? How loud's your drum? How loud, how loud's your snare drum, et cetera? 
and I'm realizing that now that I'm kind of, I have like this song in my head. Now I'm realizing that different people are mixing that song differently. Like they're highlighting different tracks in the Christian faith that make you kind of wonder. And everyone kind of has their bias, right? We all have our preference. As a drummer, I like my mixes a little more drum heavy because I'm a drummer. I'm biased that way. But my vocalist friends, they like the vocals more out in front. Now, is one right or wrong? Not really. It's really more preference because all the elements of the song are there. They're just mixed differently. And that's probably the best analogy I've ever thought of that helps me kind of put into my head a, an image of what I'm trying to do. And what I'm doing is I'm listening to these really smart mixers, these guys who are like pro-level mixers like Tim Mackey or Dr. Walling or whoever, Chris Hodge, you know, David Gushy. And these are guys who have studied their craft and they're coming in and they're kind of mixing some stuff for me. I'm like, oh, when you mix it like that, the song sounds so different, even though it's the same elements. So I think that's kind of a good way for me to sum up like how this year has been for me. It's been realizing that like the Christian faith is layered. <laughs> there's so many layers. There's 45 or 60 layers. And not only are they becoming unmuted more and more, they're also being mixed in a way that creates a really beautiful song. And that's been really helpful for me because I've always thought like, well, is it liberal Christianity or is it conservative Christianity? Is it a focus on hell or a focus on heaven? I've always been like either or, but I'm realizing all of these elements have a part to play in the story of what God is doing. And it's okay to have people who focus you know, on different parts of it, as long as we're not missing out on all the different tracks that are actually there. Some people are more focused on wrath. Some are more focused on, on mercy. To a degree, you kind of need some of those things because they're all in that story, but it's how it's mixed. It's how it's highlighted. It's where it's placed that really paints the picture of what God is doing. So that is my analogy I've been sitting on for a couple of days now that I wanted to share with you guys of just how I've been viewing the Christian faith recently and how helpful that analogy has been for me. And then you realize that Rob recorded a tambourine track Ugh. and we might want to remute that one. Exactly. <laughs> or or I, might, I might have to move it so it's more on time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah okay. that's that's my analogy what do you guys think i think it's pretty solid it is good and i made that joke but i think that's true to a certain extent too that there are things that come in in certain time in at certain times where you're like eh, i don't know about that yeah <laughs> you need to be much, that for yes. sure they're called <laughs> yeah. them they're called the mormons and <laughs> yeah and it's well it's not always as extreme but no no I, I i think you're right like for instance i think like the prosperity gospel is a good thing of like that's kind of weird is that do we need a kazoo in this song it doesn't really fit right but that 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 just helps people frame i think it, it frames things for me in a better way than just is this right or wrong it's like well it's not it's not usually in most traditional or i should say orthodox christian belief systems it's not so much about right or wrong more about how you're mixing the theology. Like, what are you really highlighting? Because you can find the threads. Like, you can find these threads in Scripture. So. And, it's yeah, there's, there's too many people that have their track is they're highlighting the second fiddle. It's like, no, that that is a part of Scripture. But it's right. a, kind of a small part. Like, you're yeah. by highlighting that, you're missing the vocal um, arrangement exactly. that's right here. Exactly. And, and we do need that for the song to, or for this whole gospel story. And like, like the Bible project says, this is a unified story. You need all of these components, but stop highlighting the wrong things, highlight them in the capacity that they're supposed to be there. 
give them their proper place. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the idea is if if a song is mixed well, even if it's mixed differently, you know, as far as preference, if it's mixed well and there and there is a a formula to it, it's going to sound good and things are going to fit. And so, like, when a song isn't mixed well, when you have it, when your bass drum is all the way up, right, and all you hear is boom, boom, that's not a good mix. (laughs) It doesn't fit. It doesn't. It doesn't work. So I think you're right. You when you guys like Tim Mackey and whoever else, we we always say Tim, they're coming along and they're really helping put maybe things that that were so loud in our face that we're almost very off putting. Like wait, I, I I can see the the I can see this track here, but you have it cranked so loud. All I'm hearing is this, and guys like Tim come along and go. Well, actually, yeah, it's there. But when you sit it behind this other track. It actually sounds way better. You're like, yes, it make it also makes a lot more sense. I can hear yeah. the vocal track behind it that's streaming through. So, um, anyway, I thought that was a fun little analogy that that would be good for us to end end the show on. Just some food for thought for our listeners. So, good analogy, Tim. Cool. Um, well, are you guys? I'm all done with this show. Are you guys completed? Anything yeah, you want to add? All right, great. Let me close it out for us. So, <laughs> friends, let me just say our podcast has actually been growing week over week, and we are we are honestly honored and humbled to see it. We've, we've more than doubled our listens uh, this year since we you know we put some more effort into getting more consistent postings out. But honestly, we appreciate you guys hanging hanging in there with us. We appreciate you guys listening. We are three normal dudes just doing what we love, and honestly, this is a lot of fun. But without people listening, it's not that much fun. So <laughs> thank you a ton for listening. We are really excited for 2021. Um, I've interviewed um, some guests already, and we have some big names coming on. Don't want to brag, but, you know, um, well, not that big, but they're cool people. So the goal of this podcast is not going to change for next year. We obviously want to give you guys things to think about when it comes to the Christian faith and how that intersects with politics and life and everything else in between. So um, I hope you guys have a great new year and please stay safe. We will talk to you not next week, but the week after we're going to take a week off and we'll see you guys in 2021. Right. Right. That's right. right. All right, guys, talk to you then. And thanks again for listening. Oh, don't forget to rate this show and subscribe, please. Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology in Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus.